10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits! Culver is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off! Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. Episode number 100 here on the podcast. Can you believe we've made it this long? The overhit so long ago <laughs> that they quit keeping track. You should have already cl- already gone to the pay window with all your over tickets. I think the over under in the beginning of this was you know about ten and a half, and we far exceeded that. <laughs> and it's turned into something that uh, we really enjoy doing each and every week. Just getting to visit with different members of A State athletics, and we thought. Hey, with episode number 100, we need to bring in an all-time great. Mm-hmm. And who better than former A-State volleyball star, four-time first-team All-Sunbelt selection, three-time Sunbelt Conference Offensive Player of the Year, and now the newest member of the A-State volleyball coaching staff. Hello, Carlisa May. Hello, hello, hello. I'm happy to be here. How do you feel about this uh, big honor here, being number 100 i don't know this been a this been a really great week really when i started two days ago i was already excited and then you told me <laughs> number 100 i said okay so some <laughs> you know something special's going on well it's a thrill to have you back where you belong at mm-hmm. your alma mater was it a no-brainer when the position came open that you would take it and, and come back to arkansas state you know honestly it was not a no-brainer and I think I was so content with where I was, but at the same time, I knew I wanted to be challenged. And something that I've always said, even when I was a player, when I was getting recruited to play at Arkansas State, is I want to help build a program. And so I believe that I got to do that at UTA. And so when I was praying, I was reading my Bible. I'm like, okay, Lord, like, what do you want me to do? And he really just revealed to me, like, it's time for you to go back. And I was like, okay, here we go. So I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to help Brian fulfill the vision that he has for here. And so, I mean, this is home. So I'm excited. I really am. Oddly enough, people might be surprised to hear this from me, but I'm glad you went ahead and said UTA because a lot of time in this business, you end up going, well, at my previous institution, even like on the admin side, it's like sometimes it's taboo to say the place you were last. It's not. Mm -hmm. So, heck, I would tell people, Every stop along the way between being a player and coming back as a coach. Somewhere you've been. Oh, yeah. So after here, I was supposed to go play overseas, actually, and then hurt my shoulder. And so I took that year kind of off, worked at a middle school. That was great. (laughs) Um, And then COVID hit. And I remember talking to Dave, who was the former head coach. David Rear. David Rear, yes. And I was like, hey, do you know anybody who needs a GA? Like, I really want to go back to school. And I had actually signed up to do online classes to get my teaching license at Grand Canyon University. The day before I was supposed to start, Dave texted me. He's like, hey, uh, you want to come here and be RGA? And I was like, okay. And so I got to go to University of Houston and work with them for two years and then was going through the job search process and got the job at UTA. And I mean, that was an amazing experience. I think sometimes when you start out, you don't really know how you'll be as a coach because that was my first job. And um, I got to be the interim assistant coach at Houston but for UTA to be my first assistant coaching job I couldn't ask for a better first experience I couldn't ask for a better staff to work for and really 
I mean, they're doing special things down there too. So I think for me, I'm grateful to have had that experience as well and then bring what I've learned at Houston and UTA and bring that here to Arkansas State. Does that mean for a minute you were the interim in a spot created when Brian Gerwig left? Yes. So when he was out, <laughs> I know, when he was out just with some family stuff, got to fill in that role. And I really didn't know what assistant coaches did, honestly. I think as a player, you kind of think, oh, yeah, you just go out and play the game. But there's so much work and there's so much time and there's so much effort that goes into scouting an opponent. We play two different people in one week, then that's double the work. So I definitely got humbled a little bit when I first started, but it's something that I really enjoy doing as well. I just love pouring into young people. I enjoy learning from other coaches. I enjoy just the process of what does it mean? Like, what does it take to put together a winning record? What does it take to put together a winning program? And just all those things. So I think that's just something that I don't want to take for granted because I think I took that for granted as a player sometimes because I just didn't know what I didn't know, you know? Yeah. I think we, we do need to kind of go back mm-hmm. and start at the beginning here. You're from Lee's Summit, Missouri, just outside of Kansas City. And you and I were talking even before we started mm-hmm. recording. You said Arkansas State was actually your first visit when you were looking at colleges. Yeah, so I had went on a few visits, went to a couple schools, and my mom was diagnosed with cancer and so kind of had to put a, a pause on some visits in Arkansas State was actually the first visit that I got to go on when she was cleared um, from her treatments and everything like that. So it kind of just felt like this is where I was supposed to be because this was the first place that she could go with me, her and my dad and my brother. So it was just bittersweet in that sense. And then even just seeing the team practice and everything like that, I saw myself being able to compete for a spot. I didn't want to just be a part of a program. I wanted to help build a program. And so even as a player, that was my mindset, and I've really tried to take that mindset even into my coaching. It's the second time you've said that, and you've already so you made a believer out of me. So the question is going to be why, but here's why I'm asking why. A lot of times, kids are going to get in the recruiting process, and they're going to be inclined to want to go to the most successful program recruiting them because they want to go where they're winning and keep winning. You've already said as a coach and even as a player, you wanted to go somewhere and build a program. Like, what's different about the way you're wired that made you want to go build something instead of go? where they're already rolling? Honestly, I think I've always felt like I had something to prove. And I say that because being an undersized outside hitter, you know, I'm only 5'8". So for me, I've always wanted to put on a show for people. That was kind of my mindset. When I would step on the court is, you know, I'm put on a show. And so I think sometimes when you are thinking about what you want, what your desires are in a place that you go, it's like, do I see myself competing? Can I see myself playing? Some people really like to be role players. Some people like to just be a part of something that's already built. For me, I've always felt like I needed to help build something bigger than myself. And so if I'm laying the foundation in that with hard work and not just the mindset of, okay, I'm just happy to be here. That was never my mindset. Cause I always had to be the best, you know, because people are always looking not at people that are five foot eight, you know, as a hitter. So, I mean, even as a coach now, I think there's something to prove. Can you take somewhere and make it better than you found it? So that's kind of what I've always thought. You mentioned your mother. She was declared cancer free Mm -hmm. eight years ago. And you told me off the air that she's been in remission ever since and, and is doing great. 
were your parents athletes and how did you get into volleyball yes okay so my whole <laughs> this is actually really funny so my whole family my mom my dad my brother all athletes they all played basketball I do not like basketball I'm not a basketball player I'm terrible I wish I was good <laughs> but I am just it's just not it's not my ministry, okay, as far as the sports go. It is not. And so my my dad ran track. My mom ran track in college and played basketball in college. But volleyball for me, I actually grew up playing softball. I did dance. I did track. I fell, so I quit. I know that's not what everybody wants to hear, but I did. I was like four, and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so you did when you were four? four? Yeah, <laughs> just running around the track, and I fell. So I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> I but did. at no point in high school. I did the, do intramural track in the eighth grade. I did the high jump. And that's what's going to ask. Yeah. Nobody tried to get you to go high jump? I did the high jump. I did the four by four and the four by one. And just really, nope. Didn't want to do it. And but were you good at high jump? I was good. I would think so. I was actually good. But it, I think it hurt my back because that's like another story. But I was just like, yeah, volleyball's for me. So all them other sports, I was not... <laughs> I was not feeling them, Mm-mm. but uh, when we moved to Lee Summit, so I grew up playing softball, and when we moved to Lee Summit, I got on a rec team, never even heard of volleyball, didn't know what it was, and I was probably 11 at the time, got on a rec team, and I was the only person on my team who could serve overhand, but every time I would serve, it would hit the back wall, and so <laughs> my coach, she's like, you got to get on like a better team, and I'm like, okay, like I don't really know what you're talking about. So I got on a club team. It was like a silver level team at that time. And then really just every year I wanted to be on a better team and a better team and a better team. So by the time I was 14, I played for a team called the Mavs, which is a big club in Kansas City. We got fourth in the country. And so my goal after that was, okay, I want to be on a better team and a better team. And so I've always had coaches that pushed me to be the best and pushed me to be greater. And I think that's just a testament first to – I mean, as an athlete, you have to be coachable, right? Like, you have to be willing to fail because if you don't fail, then you don't grow. And I think sometimes people don't like to fail or they don't like to go through the process of failure because, you know, it might be an ego thing. It might just be, like, an insecurity thing. But if you don't fail, then you'll never know how far you can push yourself. And so I remember um, that was kind of my goal every year. And by the time I was 16, my team got third in the country. So it was – it was a process for me of I want to be better and better and better. And I always wanted to be surrounded by people who wanted to be better. You know, I think you're only as good as the person that's not the best on your team. And so if you can't even push them to be outside of their comfort zone, well, you can't really call yourself a leader, right? Because you're not bringing people along with you to be better. And that's a great mindset to have. Obviously, it's been successful for you. It's been successful for people like David Rear. Mm-hmm. And I do want to talk about Coach Rear because he had a fantastic run as the head coach here at Arkansas State before going to Houston. And what a run he's had there. His team was in yeah. the Sweet 16 this past season. But what was it you noticed about him? And I think it was his third season, your first year at mm-hmm. Arkansas State. So what was it about what he was doing here that, that kind of drew you in? You know, he's very honest, he's very upfront, and he knows how to win. I mean, I've, I've never seen anything like it, really. And I think his background is so intriguing because mm-hmm. he didn't play the sport, right? He was but, an athletic trainer. Yeah, he was an athletic trainer, but he studied the sport. 
And I think a lot of times when you're studying your craft, you know, like you can play as much as you want to, but you have to be able to study people who are great. You have to be able to watch people who are great. And I think that's something that he's taken from here, from Blinn. You know, he won two junior college national championships and never played the sport before, but he studies the game. And so a big thing for him is relationships. If you get people to buy in to you and your vision, of course, they're going to want to play for you. They're going to want to play hard for you. And so I think, too, like as a coach, I was always bought into his vision because he never settled for just being okay. He wanted to be great. And so I think when you get people who kind of fit that mindset and that mold of what you want to build, you're going to continue to be successful. He's never went away from his roots of recruiting student athletes who want to be great and want to be bought in and want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. An assistant on that staff was a guy named Brian Gerwig, who is now your boss yes. here at A-State. So what was it about Coach Gerwig that has made him successful up until this point? And did you see him back then as a head coach someday? I did. So I love Brian. I've now worked for two people that I've played for, which I think is really cool. And I think it's an experience that a lot of people don't get because I think as a player, you see people one way. And then when you get into the coaching world and you get to see them behind the scenes, there's just a different level like respect that you have for them. And so I've always respected Brian as a coach and as a person because I had that relationship with him as my coach. And now being able to work with him at Houston, I got to learn from him in a different way. And now him being the head coach here at Arkansas State, now I get to learn even more from him. And he's such a big dreamer. And that's something that I really appreciate is he has big goals for our program. And so I never want to be a part of anything small. I don't like small visions. I don't like small things. And so I think his vision for the program and to take the program to the next level is something that I'm really bought into and really supportive of him as the head coach of the program. So I'm excited to see what he does and what he continues to do. The foundation is already laid, so I'm just helping him build on top of that, which I think is going to be really something special this year. For both of you guys, Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, for him too and for you, what's it mean that, especially for you, you don't have to wonder if that can happen at Arkansas Mm -hmm. State because you did it. I mean, you guys went 28-2 and and went Mm -hmm. to the NCAA tournament. So what's it mean that, like, this is not just an emotional play to come home to A-State. You know what this program can do. Mm -hmm. How big is that? It's huge because when you know what has already been done, and you know that you can do that again. It's not something that you just take lightly. I think there's a sense of pride that I really do have in this university and in the athletic department in general. I love it here. I love the athletic department. I love the staff. I love the vision that the athletic director is going in. And I want to be a part of that. So that's why I'm back. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to just be a part and just be able to help build and help grow and I don't know. It's not something that I take lightly. I'm not just like, oh, yeah, I'm back. But I'm like, I'm back with a goal. I'm back to help our program reach its goal. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. 
Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Red Wolves fans, this is Coach Destiny Rogers, and I'm asking you to help our student athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This is an organization that highlights our commitment to teamwork while raising awareness and support for our local community programs. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team letters, special gear, and exclusive access that you won't find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at impactclub.com. That's impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support makes a real difference in the lives of our student athletes and in the future of our sports program wolves up visiting with carlisa may here on the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank brad mentioned that 28 and 2 record and that was your freshman season mm-hmm. you were sunbelt freshman of the year back in 2015 you go 28 and 2 16 and 0 in conference you roll through the sunbelt tournament go to the ncaa tournament what was it about that team that was so special Honestly, it was exciting. It was fun. But it was also our leadership, the juniors, the seniors, had already laid that foundation. We were just coming in. I mean, as a freshman, I didn't know what was going on. It was like, see ball, hit ball. That's his job. You know, you just go up, you get the kill. And just the joy to compete. We would do overtime workouts. Like, we would voluntarily, like, we would go in do more weights, uh, go lift more weights, run more, watch more film. Like there was always that extra push, but it was because our leadership team, the junior seniors, were already like, okay, we want to be great. So y'all don't get to just come in and just be happy to be here. Like, no, you need to be bought in to the goal that we have, you know. Something that I really like to do, I've been doing this since I was younger, but writing out my goals I mean, I even take that from the word, like the Bible, just writing the vision and making it plain. But I remember Tristan Johnson was our assistant coach at the time. And he said, hey, like uh, everybody go through, write what you want, like write your goals down. Right. And I remember my goal was I want to be able to compete for a spot so that I can be a starter and help the team win. And some other people, I want to win conference. I want to win this. I want to win this. But when you looked at everybody's goals, it was the same goal. And so I think that's something that was really special about that team is literally everybody had the same goal. We didn't know it at the time because we didn't see everybody's goals until we all had wrote it out and shared it. But collectively, I think that's something special is when the team has that goal, not just the coaching staff, too. The night that team wrapped up the conference championship in regular season, it's one of those moments I hope that we all get to recreate together. Yeah. Over 2,000 people in the arena, lower both sides, they're both full of what mm-hmm. you guys wrap up a conference title. Like, you think back on that night, what do you feel or recall? I was excited. Oh my gosh. I think they, what was like the tickets, like a dollar or something like that. I just remember seeing all these people in the stands. But I just remember after watching that ball just go in the stands, I was like, oh my gosh, like we did it. It's a surreal feeling. And I, I truly believe that that's going to happen again. It's going to be more exciting too because it's just, it's fresh, it's new. It's, I think you can recreate something, but it's going to be different, too. It's just going to be a new heightened level of excitement. So I think that's going to be really cool. One thing that nationally people have had their eyes open to here in the last handful mm-hmm. of years is just the popularity now, the growing popularity of college softball. Yeah. And we've seen that with, with the Women's College World Series and how many people watch that. But one thing that I know Brad and I feel the same about College volleyball is a very exciting sport to watch. And just 
the energy and it really doesn't matter how many people are in the arena obviously the more the mm-hmm. better that and they can feed off that energy but it's a fun sport to watch and for those who haven't been to a college volleyball match before what would you tell them y'all need to get in the stands <laughs> for real get to the volleyball game volleyball is so fun some people they don't know what's going on but they just get excited because they're like oh my gosh girls can jump this high you know yeah. <laughs> so they're just shocked but once you get the game you don't even have to know what a pass is you don't have to know what a set it's just like oh my gosh she got up there and she hit the ball so hard and it's like yeah that's what it is you know but it's exciting when you see somebody flip over a table to dig a ball or whatever and it truly is the most exciting sport to watch in my opinion but I'm gonna just say it in general because nobody can do that like that's not just a normal it's not a normal thing I know a lot of other sports are exciting but the adrenaline the like there's just so many facets to the game that you just can't really explain it unless you're there. You yeah. got to be there. Yeah, I'd say it's just so much more probably spectator friendly than mm-hmm. people understand if you haven't been because there's so much athleticism, the ability to run and jump. And as you said, if you don't know a thing about volleyball, you can see the effort, as you said, going to keep a ball off yeah. the floor and it can just, and it can get caught up in that. Two, you know, there's not a clock. You're playing to a score. Yep. You're like, it's easy to know. You get to 25 and you got to win by two. I mean, yeah. you know, it's so, and I think the other thing that helps it is that, you know, even unlike basketball is that somebody's going to score a point mm-hmm. every time the ball's in play. Yep. And you won't know what's going on, but somebody got the point, you know, <laughs> Mr. Sir, hey, somebody got a point. So it's a constant game. It really is. And it's just so exciting. I mean, that's why you see all these kids, you know, their parents, that's why parents will stand in the gym watching a 10-year-old play for 10 hours a day or whatever because it's that exciting. You don't know what's going on, but it's just like, oh, my gosh, this sport is just it's captivating. It really is. I went back just during your time as a player, a combined record as a team of 93 and 36. You're the all-time leader in kills at Arkansas State. When you look back over, mm-hmm. over that four-year span, is there something you're most proud of? I'm really proud of my team, every team that I had, honestly. I mean, every team was so different, but everybody was bought in. And I think, yeah, you know, like we didn't make it to where we wanted to at the end. But when you get older, a lot of times when you're younger, you don't have a voice. And so I think I'm something I was proud of was by my senior year, it was like, okay, you know how to speak, you know how to lead, you know how to get people on board, and you know how to help people learn to win. Some people come from places where – Winning's not a big thing, or like I said before, you're just happy to be here. You're just happy to be a part, but it's like, can I push you a little bit more? I remember one of my teammates, I will never forget her saying this to me. She's She was so proud because she was like, you literally push me to be better every single day. So we would compete in practice every single day. So if she beat me in a drill, I'm like, no, ma'am. Who was this? <laughs> Who are you talking about? I'll call her out. Peyton, you and Hake. But... I was so proud of her for competing against me because I know sometimes it's just like, man, like Carr got the spot. But I'm like, no, you can get the spot too. just keep going, you know. And so it's that constant battle of, okay, I might beat you today, but you beat me the next day or you beat me this day or whatever the case may be. But that's what I was most proud of is there's a constant effort to compete. I don't like to lose. I don't like to lose a drill. I don't like to lose period you know and that was something I had to get be okay with losing too because sometimes it's not 
you lost because you were bad. It's just that maybe somebody was just better than you that day, you know. So that was something I had to learn, too. But I was just happy with the competitiveness. It never left our program. So because you do all that you guys did your first year mm-hmm. and you come in and you know, your first team all conference as a freshman and freshman of the year and go to the NCAA tournament. And it's not like you guys ever had a bad year, mm-hmm. but whether it's health or whatever reason, it never got right back to that. Yeah. So what did you learn over the course of the rest of your career spending that time chasing that feeling you got right out of the gate? You know, honestly, I learned a lot, but man, Coastal Carolina, I will say they – were just competitive. I remember when they came in the conference, it's like everything kind of changed, you know, because it was like us, Texas State app. I was just like, man, who is Coastal? Like, who is this girl? Leah Hardiman. And I just remember competing against her. It was like, oh, my gosh, here we go again. But I learned that you can't control what other people do. You have to control what you do. So if I'm giving 100% every game and we still didn't win, maybe that team's just better. And that's okay. As long as I don't roll over and give up, then okay. And I also had to learn how to, and this is something that I I was still learning even after I was playing, but it was like volleyball was my whole being. I mean, everything I literally eat, breathe, sleep, volleyball, 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 my brain was just constant. And I had to learn how to turn it off sometimes because it got overwhelming at times where I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to be Carlisa, not the volleyball player. And so that was something that I had to learn, like, especially towards my senior year was, okay, you can still be Carlisa, the volleyball player, but you can also be Carlisa, the friend and Carlisa who does other things. And, you know, like I can still have some type of personality outside of just who I am on the volleyball court. Look, now you're Carlisa, the coach. Carlisa, the coach. I know. It's crazy. (laughs) What do you enjoy about being Carlisa, the coach? I love it all. It's funny because I was an education major, so I wanted to teach. I had always, I mean, I loved just teaching. I mean, my family's educators and everything like that. But I said, man, if I get to teach and like I get to teach the sport that I love, and I'm really merging my two favorite things really is education and volleyball. So that's what I love about it. And I'm so, my coaching style is very like fundamentally driven. So a lot of the way that I coach is a lot more hands-on, like in practice where technically I like do a lot of technicality types things. And then in the game, I'm sitting back a little more because I want you to be able to trust what you've learned, what you've taught, what you've been able to grow in. And so I think that's just something I get really excited about is when something that we learn or that we go over in practice is like, transferred into the game that's exciting because it's like okay you get it and you're growing and you're learning and you trust me that I'm not gonna let let you fail but we're gonna have to go through the process of it you fail in practice and everything like that but now in the game you're successful you know so that's something that I really find a lot of joy in is being able to merge the two things that I love the most here's a good question for you now you're uniquely positioned to answer being a player and now a coach. Mm-hmm. And we talk about volleyball. There's this one little oddity about volleyball that I don't know exists in any other sport. And it's that players call their coach by their first name. And you, well, you when you were talking about Coach Rear, 
you said Dave, and you as a player called him Dave. Mm-hmm. You as a player, when Coach Grove was here, called him Brian. And now maybe these kids are just going to call you Carlisa. What's different about that player-coach relationship in volleyball from almost every other sport? I don't know. It might be when you get – Is it everybody that does this? It's not everybody because I remember my high school coach, I call her Coach. But then, actually, I gave her a nickname, too. So I don't know. I think it's – it's a. Uh, what was your nickname for your high school coach? Hanny. Hanny. Her name was Coach Hannaway. But, okay. but Hanny it's just, was her it's, a, it's a common, at this level, it's just, it's like this commonplace thing. I mean, I, yeah. when, when Coach Restrepo was here, all those players just called him Santi. You seldom hear college players call their coach coach. It's just, they're almost all, there's this first name basis thing. I don't think Dave ever was, <laughs> Coach Rear. I don't think he was ever like, call me Coach Rear. He's like, okay, I'm Dave. My, I mean, when I coached the, the younger kids, they called me Coach uh-huh. Carr. So it might just be as you get older, it's kind of like a respect thing. Most people call me Carr. It's kind of like my nickname. But I've never even thought about that, actually. That is a real thing. Well, it's just what you've been in. Yeah. So now it's Brian, Carlisa, Jordan Coombs, also on the the staff. I know you're glad that you're back here at Arkansas State. So what do you know about this team? What are you excited about going into this season? One thing I know about this team is that they are motivated. I'm excited. Have you been able to meet everybody yet? I haven't got to meet everybody in person, but I have got to text with some people. And Sarah Martinez, know her because she came from Houston. And Bree was coming in as a freshman when I was leaving, so I got to see her on a visit and everything like that. But this team's just motivated. They're excited for the season. I think they're excited to be pushed just more. I know that Brian and Jordan and Alicia, when she was here, they did a really great job of just building team and so really continuing that part of it which I'm excited about and I'm sure everybody watched the conference tournament just that momentum at the end to bring that into the season it's not going to be the same team because they know how to win now you know so I think it's something that is going to be super super exciting to see them grow and continue to compete and develop and just trust us as a coaching staff that we have their best interest that we're going to push them to be the best that they can be that's what I'm excited about I felt so good for those players and coaches to get that experience at mm-hmm. the conference tournament because you know we would talk about it on this podcast over the course of last season. Nothing would fall their way, but nobody blew them out, mm-hmm. and nothing would go their way. Yeah, until the conference tournament, and then you saw it click, yeah. and they get to the semifinals, and it's going to take a lot of momentum mm-hmm. into the off season. It's gritty. I mean, that's what you want in a team is grit. You want people who are going to go balls to the wall, won't let the ball fall, just people who want to compete at a high level. And so I think that's something that we have here, and it's really special. I know that Brian's vision is exciting. I'm excited to be a part of it. Jordan's a great coach as well, so I'm excited to work with her. And we've gotten to just talk as a staff a little bit, even from a recruiting aspect, you know, and I truly believe it's a special place and it's a special program. So I'm ready. You are a very special part of this program and thrilled to have you back at Arkansas State. You've done a fantastic job. So worthy of being on episode number 100. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Carlisa May joining us here on the Second to None podcast. We'll wrap things up right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. 
You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. This is Coach Butch Jones, and we need you to help our A-State athletic programs by donating to the Impact Club. This is an organization that is making a real difference in the lives of our student-athletes. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access that you will not find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at impactclub.com. That's impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support is greatly appreciated and is helping our programs right now wolves up some basketball scheduling news coming out here in the last few days and this is interesting you see other conferences do something like this we've seen the big 12 and sec have their challenge come basketball season every year and what the sun belt has done is they've teamed up with the mac to do the mac sun belt challenge and The first matchup is actually at the very beginning of the season for both the men and the women. The 9th of November, the A-State women will host Northern Illinois. Will that be the first game of the season? Do we know yet? I can't remember what's before it, but I can tell you this. The women are home, as you said, on Thursday, November 9th. That's going to be a fun day. And then November 11th. More ways than you know. Two days later, the men are at Bowling Green. The overall challenge, like you said, I, I, I like it. What they did is uh, these two leagues working you know, together on this and folks that work in scheduling, they sort of, in this first round here, they sort of loosely based off last year's standings in each league and created these matchups where the first wave, the Sun Belts at home in women's play and the Sun Belts on the road on the men's side. And r- across the board, you know, they're matched with a team that finished similarly in the other conference. Now, there are two teams. I think it's uh, Marshall and Old Dominion who aren't in this because the Sunbelt's got 14 teams and the Mac's got 12. And at least I heard on the women's side, those two teams were play Mac teams anyway, where they are geographically. So right now, those are the two teams this year not in it, at least on the women's side. I would assume it's the same on the men. But what's cool about the second round in February is that, like for the men, we know we're going to be home that day playing somebody in the MAC. You just don't know who because they'll wait till just a couple of weeks out and they'll take the net rankings from November and December and kind of look at where things stack there and then do the same thing, kind of match the leagues up comparably to try to get the top team in both leagues an opportunity to pick up good wins late in non-conference play. I think it's a great idea, and I'm glad that these two conferences have teamed up to do this the back end matchup that second matchup will be on february 10th and again as you said they'll decide in january sometime in january what the matchups will be but that second time around of course it's kind of in the middle of conference play the women will be on the road to play a a mac opponent and then the men will be at home but uh, again the sunbelt mac challenge debuting this season. And I'll speak from the men's side, right? I mean, the Sun Belt uh, made pretty big strides last year as a league on the men's side from the year prior. And now they've done some other things, lowering the number of 91s you can play, 
adding the Mac challenge to where yeah, they're really trying to build up, especially but really basketball on both sides, because even on the women's side, it's sort of turned into a one-bid league as well. So really in both sports, men's and women's basketball, trying to boost up the Sun Belt to eventually get where you've got a path to the NCAA tournament other than just winning the Sun Belt tournament, and that's it. Yeah, and I think that that's one thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Coach Hodson, and I'm going to bring up the success of another league that's kind of on our level in basketball, and that's Conference USA. What Conference USA did last year was extremely impressive. They had FAU in the Final Four, and then they had the two teams in the championship game of the NIT with North Texas and UAB, who were certainly good enough Mm -hmm. to make runs in the NCAA tournament. But the way this is set up right now, you need to take every possible step you can to get multiple teams into the NCAA tournament. Hey, think about you know, Keith Gill, commissioner of the Sun Belt. He was a college football player, but he came to the Sun Belt from the A-10, you know, a really good men's basketball league. When he was hired, you know, the talk then was a lot of, hey, the Sun Belt went and hired a guy to try to, quote, fix men's basketball. And next year, you've already seen some steps in the right direction, and I think this will help lead to another step in that direction. Anything else we need to discuss before we get out of here well we got some fun stuff coming uh, stick with us you know all the social media platforms there's some fun things coming a lot of fun announcements about football season are not very far away just be looking i'd say certainly coming out of the holiday and i'll say this I, I'll, I'll start this message that you're going to hear a lot with our listeners here to the second and none podcast if you have not downloaded the a state athletics app you're going to need to sooner than later. Go ahead and get on that, which you just go to you know, Google Play, the App Store, either one. You can search Arkansas State Athletics or Red Wolves or Ar- you know what, any number of things and find it. So download that app because as we go along here, not just in the next little while, but down the line, long term, that's going to be a really important piece for a state fan to have that app. It's been great to have Carlisa May in with us today. And again, uh, thanks to our buddy Mark Taylor for setting up that interview. 100 episodes in, we're still rolling. We'll be back for That's right. 101 next week. We hope you join us then on the next edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.